the the thing that humans are best at and machines today are not very good at is judgment work or decision work which is is it does this make sense what humans unfortunately cannot outperform machines on is gathering data All right, so I'm pleased to be here today with Ron Glosman. He is the CEO and founder of Chisel AI. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, Ron, so welcome. Great to have you on and uh, looking forward to our discussion today. Uh, maybe as a starting point, you could just uh, give us a little bit about your background and kind of how that led you to found the business and uh, be leading it today. Yeah, so... I started working on the original problem, uh, which was I was a student at the time. This was about seven years ago, studying computer science and business. And if you put yourself back in the shoes of a student, you'll probably remember that the way they do it is you have a thousand plus page textbook and a 10 page exam. So you do the math. It's like one percent of the content only gets tested. And so I said to myself, what if I could teach a computer how to read? and create summaries of my textbook. What I really want is one page for every chapter because the exams are usually chapter-based. And so um, being a computer science student, I said, yeah, that sounds simple. I can definitely teach a computer how to read. It wasn't simple. But uh, <laughs> I started working on it, and a semester later, I got it to the point where I could take a textbook, summarize it down to one page per chapter, study that, and still get an A without actually having to read the book or go to class. Uh, my friends heard about it. They're like, hey, can you put it on the App Store? And I put it on the App Store, and it ended up going viral quite quickly. In about two weeks, it was in 33 countries, 44 of the top Ivy League schools in the world. Like, uh, It went on to be named one of the best 50 apps uh, for students of all time by Google. So clearly, we'd made some you know, success, but unfortunately, students don't have any discretionary income. And so this was just a hobby that I worked on for about two and a half years. And then in about late 2016, an email came in through our centralized inbox form and it said, hey, I know this is a uh, app for students, but I, I think insurance can really benefit. Do you have five minutes to chat? It was one of the biggest insurance brokers in the world. I quickly followed up with them, said, yes, would love to chat. I met with this VP and her team several times over the coming weeks and uh they educated me on errors and omissions or policy check, uh, you know, making sure that the binder, the quote, all of the paperwork throughout the issuing process matches up so that you don't have a nasty, uh, you know, lawsuit later down the line. And so um, they said, can you automate this process for us? And I said, yes, we sure can. And I started teaching a computer how to read insurance documents. And uh, we haven't looked back. We've deprecated the app for students. So that's no longer available. We now build award-winning technology for insurance. Sort of from the perspective of someone who maybe is a senior executive, you know, besides just describing what what the product does the way you did, can you could you maybe give a like a 101 uh, primer to those folks as to maybe how the technology works and why it's important? So um, natural language processing is just a fancy word for saying, uh, you know, teaching computers how to read. And what we're really focused on is entities. Um, it's something called named entity recognition. And the goal is to find nouns in documents, so a person, place, or thing. And um, I'll give you an example. So off-the-shelf solutions like Google, IBM, Microsoft, etc., they have the ability to typically identify 15 to 25 entities or nouns but they're generic. 
So they're able to find financial numbers. So they'll tell you, we found 300 numbers in this document, uh, 1,000, 10,000, 1 million. What they can't tell you is, is it a limit, a deductible, or a premium? And as we know, sometimes you have endorsements that override limits or there are, there's you know relationships. So you have to know which one is actually overridden by which one. And so that's where natural language processing and name density recognition comes in is being able to identify more than just a concept of financial number or, for example, another common one is name. So it'll tell you, hey, I found, just as an example, Zurich, Aon, and Chisel AI – but which one's the policyholder, which one's the broker, which one's the underwriter or the carrier, right? And that's very, very important. So that's at a high level what we teach or what you teach computers how to do. And for the medical space, you would teach them to look for drug names, different types of, let's say, bones, right? They broke their, their tibula, their fibula, etc. So artificial intelligence works by saying, I need you to find, and specifically natural language processing, I need you to find these types of nouns. And the way you do that is you train it by providing examples. So we've shown the, the machine every single month more than 180,000 examples of what is the limit, what is a deductible, what is a premium, and that teaches it and that makes it smarter over time. So, so, and and just to make it abundantly clear, um, the 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 natural language processing allows um, sort of a review and an analysis of many more policies, many more documents in a shorter period of time. Therefore, more of your farmers, you know, or more of the people who service those farmers will be aware of of, of these disconnects and, and be able to make recommendations. Is that basically the, the summary of it? Yeah, I, I just, so yeah, I would clarify one point, which is the beautiful thing is, you know, there's always new products coming to, to market and it's hard to stay up to date. And sometimes there's changes in wording and something that was covered last year is now excluded. And and there's all of these minutia. So the, the thing that humans are best at and machines today are not very good at is judgment work or decision work, which is, is it, does this make sense? What humans unfortunately cannot outperform machines on is gathering data. And so what, what the machine does is it makes the recommendation. It says, I think you should increase the, the limit to 500K. And here is all the data points why. There's 70 other properties in this region that have this. There's been six floods in the last 10 years. Bang, 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 bang. It just pulls you all the data. And then you say, I agree or I don't agree. And then if you don't agree, it gets smarter. Exactly. And, and you say, I don't agree. Here's what I'm going to recommend instead. You you explain why and and obviously like when I say explain like there's graph like yes. user interface stuff and then it learns and it gets smarter over time. And and so coming from a computer science background, more of an engineering background, you know, what have you learned or what have you changed about your hiring processes over time as you've now built a larger larger team and you know areas that are maybe outside of what you studied. I sort of don't even want to say because I'm a hypocrite because I don't live into it. But if I can instill in others to live into it, it's to, you know, hire fast and fire fast. I think that's very difficult. But one of the most costly mistakes you can make as a startup is um, to have an inefficient team. Right. And and oftentimes you'll know early on, typically in the first like 90 days, the first three months, you'll have a good sense. 
And it's hard. It's hard to nobody likes firing people, right? It's not pleasant for anybody. And, you know, we I've personally paid the price many times and it's still a lesson. Like I keep learning it and and not living into it. So if I can, you know, instill in anybody, please, like it's for the benefit of everybody, including that employee. So the questions I asked, though, have been the same. Actually, I've, I've refined them a little bit, but my questions have nothing to do. And it's because most of the time, you know, there's a direct manager who's interviewing them and hiring them for the skill set. My questions are always personality based and values based and culture based and trying to understand whether this person is going to be a good fit for us. And then how can we help them in their career? So my questions often include, you know, where do you see yourself in two years, five years, 10 years? What if when you leave here, what is one thing that we, you know, you want to have learned by the time you have left? And that's really what I'm asking. And that hasn't changed. Doesn't matter if I'm interviewing a salesperson, engineering, like it's always been those questions. Um, I think my read of the answers is better now. Because I've done over a hundred something interviews at this point, and so I have a pretty better calibrated barometer, I think, to that. So, um, just you know, looking forward a bit, and and we're sort of jumping back and forth here, but you know, as you look at where the technology is, and now look forward to where it's going, you know, what do you you know, do you have any predictions for the insurance industry as to you know, where, where technology will have the greatest impact or which technologies in particular will have the greatest impact? A hundred percent, I believe high tech will be the industry. Like high tech includes artificial intelligence, RPA, um, SaaS in general, cloud-based technologies. Like I, I believe all of those things, open API standards, like all of those things are going to be the next big thing. I would say this. I think when I when I look at maybe specifically for insurance, I think because we're so paper paper based, uh, two things. One is artificial intelligence to read the paper. That's one aspect, and that's obviously where we're focused. I think the other aspect is APIs. I, I just mentioned APIs, but I think open standards. And I know Accord has been around for many many years. If I were to liken it to anything. I would say a Shopify for insurance, if that makes sense. Like what Shopify has allowed people to do is they've they've taken digital commerce where, you know, independent store owners, corner stores, et cetera, and allowed over 100 million people, I believe, at this point to now build like stores and sell products on there. And I think the same thing here. If there, there's a platform that allows you to go on and it sells Chubb and AIG and there's no captive agents and and this is sort of like what a broker does but I think it has to be broker plus technology plus carrier it's more than just a broker today but it would have to be the ability to offer all those products simultaneously and share the data and I think that's the big piece is these companies at least today are very protective of their data. And I understand, you know, data is very important. So we got to be smart about how we share that data. But I do think sharing the data is going to be a a win for everybody, the consumer, the broker, and the underwriter. Because the underwriter is going to have better understanding of risks because they're going to have everybody's lost data. Um, The consumer is going to have the best pricing because they're going to get pricing from everybody simultaneously. And the broker is going to have the best opportunity because they have the most um, products to sell the highest likelihood of a sale. So that's what I would bet on. 
All right. Well, Ron, I, I know you're, uh, as I said in the beginning, uh, busy. You got a lot on your plate there uh, growing this company, but, um, you know, appreciate your time. Is there anything else you would like to share before we wrap up? No, I would just encourage people to not be afraid. I think oftentimes people are afraid of AI for a couple of reasons. One, it's just scary because change is scary. And, and that's fine. As, as humans, we're, we're adverse to change, even though we're very good at change once we're thrown into it. We're very adverse to it. I think the second thing is some people fear job losses. This is going to replace my job. This is going to take my job. Like, What does this mean for me? In my experience, like very, it's unlikely that that's going to be a replacement. And my favorite example is, you know, oftentimes the people that I work with, like there's a broker that I'm thinking of, like when I met met him, you know, he would work 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. just because he had to get his job done. And if we could get his hours down to a nine to five, he was happy, right? So by taking 30% off his plate, he didn't lose his job. He was ecstatic because he got to go home to his wife or whatever, right. to his partner on time. He got to spend time with his kids or his loved ones or his puppy or his dog, whatever. And that's the win for me. So don't be afraid. Like there's many things that are misconstrued about AI. And I think that could be one of them. Um, and at the same time, it's 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 a hype word. Like it doesn't solve all problems. And I'm actually a big advocate. Like to me, AI is like surgery where it's the last step. If you can go on a diet to lose weight, you do that before you do something more drastic, right? So uh, AI is that very drastic measure. It has aspects of precision and recall and uh, the reasoning and the ability to understand why a prediction was made that are, are still areas for improvement. And so you only use AI when necessary. It does wonderful things. Don't be afraid of it, but don't overhype it. I know that's a lot of contradicting advice. All right. Well, Ron Glasman, CEO and founder at Chisel AI, really appreciate having you on. Great insights. And um, thanks again. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.